Hey, you hungry? This hockey season, Domino's has you covered. How about enjoying the game with a large four-topping pizza for only $11.99? But Domino's is more than just pizza. Add in some delicious side dishes like pasta or chicken wings. And don't forget to try the irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Whether it's watching the big game, in a hurry, or just because. Trust Domino's to satisfy that hunger. Head on over to dominoes.ca to order now. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome to the show. Another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics coming at you right now on TSN 1050. I'm Andy McNamara. You can follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You miss any of the show, we got you covered on our show page at tsn1050.ca, as well as on iTunes and SoundCloud. Guest today, the return of Travis Yost. He'll be joining me in just a moment. James Myrtle, Editor-in-Chief of The Athletic Toronto, talks some Maple Leafs. James Harding with some fantasy hockey talk, DraftKings and NHL.com. And of course, Heroes and Zeros with Scott Colin, let's go to the Domino's delivery line now. And folks, large four-topping pizza for just $11.99. Why not grab some pop and a side dish while you're at it, like pasta or boneless chicken? Don't forget that marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Visit dominoes.ca today. That's dominoes.ca. Travis Yost on the line now. Travis, you were on a marathon, and all week long, I've been wondering... How did you do? Did did you did you win? Did you finish? Were you wearing like the '80s style NBA short shorts? What are we talking here? Uh, we did <laughs> good. It was a team relay over 60 miles. Um, we finished uh, just outside of the top 10. We did pretty good. But wow. I will say this: one of the most humbling things in the world is when you're running a top speed and you're feeling pretty good, and someone just completely blows by you. It, oh. it's, I now realize how all these skaters in the league when Conor McDavid skating on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> and just zip by him, absolutely. Well, glad you're you're uh, you made it out of that, and you're back with us here. Let's start with an article that got plenty of reaction on Twitter about the Edmonton Oilers. So you broke down both the Flames and the Oilers. Let's start with Edmonton. Uh, the superstars obviously love having their like teams love having their superstar on the ice. But you mentioned in your piece, Travis, that the Oilers more than any other team really have a tough time when Connor McDavid is on the bench. What makes the Oilers situation different from other teams with a top tier player? The, the reality is no one outside of Leon Draisaitl can seem to score goals when they're not playing with Connor McDavid. And this is a huge issue. Um, as, as great as Connor McDavid is. And let's, let's be perfectly honest here. He, he could be, he probably is the best player in the league. In a, in a season that has been completely backwards, he has been unguardable every single game of this year. That said, hockey is a team sport. You can only, you know, a, a guy like McDavid is playing 20 ish minutes a night. There's 40 minutes or so that you've got to fill in with other players. And the, the, the part that really concerns me is, if you put a forward, now you pick any forward or any defenseman for that matter, and you put them with Connor McDavid, they see huge scoring up because because of his creativity, his ability, blah, blah, blah. That, that's not surprising. Sidney Crosby has the same effect. It's a superstar effect. But when those players play with anyone not named Connor McDavid, anyone on the entire team, they are 17% less effective across the board Ugh. than the average NHL scorer at their respective position. It's true for all forwards. All of their defensemen. Um, I did say Leon Dreisaitl was the one exception. Dreisaitl actually has been pretty uh, 
has been pretty productive regardless of where he's played. But outside of him, I mean, you just go down the list. Guys like Milan Lucic, um, you know, you work, you work your way down the wingers of, of that team. They all see these huge scoring downturns when they're not playing with McDavid. And this is one of the reasons why Edmonton is in such a precarious spot. The, the end of the day, regardless if you, if you rate this team as a rebound candidate next year or not, they have so much work to do to bring out some of the depth here. They just, so let's be perfect honest, they do not have any playmakers on their, on their bottom lines or on their blue lines. No, no, not at all. Uh, next on the chopping block, Travis, Calgary Flames. Now, since we last talked, they went from a 50-50 playoff team to perhaps being more likely to miss the postseason. In your TSN.C piece, you break down the depth issues in Calgary. But do you think you could attribute their cold stretch to losing their starting goaltender and Mike Smith with that injury? Oh, surely. I mean, Mike Smith has probably been the biggest surprise, one of the biggest surprises for me anyway. I, didn't, I, was, I thought it was a pretty high-risk move by Calgary. He's been fantastic. He has proved me wrong pretty much all year. And if, if you rate him, if, you, if, you, if your opinion has changed on him, which I think it should have um, based on the, the majority of this season, you're now looking at a Calgary team that's not getting the type of goaltending that they were getting in the first 50 or some odd games. And on top of that, we talked about depth issues in Edmonton when it's pretty much Conor McDavid versus the world. In Calgary, it's very much the same thing. Now, Calgary has more talent spread across their first and second lines and their first pairing, but they are just as bad when those top lines and top pairs come off the ice. And let me make one point here. Every team in the league is better when their best players are on the ice. This is not a point in dispute. Everyone should understand what we are talking about is that there is such a chasm or spread or divide in performance for when these guys are on versus off relative to your general playoff contenders. I mean, the Calgary is, for example, when you look at um, basically their big trio, John, let's say Johnny Gaudreau and, the, and Mark Giordano, parent. when they're out there, they're getting 57% of scoring chances, 57% of the goal. They look every bit the part of not just a playoff contender, but a real threat in the Western Conference. But when they come off the ice, those numbers are around 44 45%, which is miserable. I mean, that, that is just absolutely putrid. And that's the type of team that gets you put in the lottery. And when you add all those things together, what you generally have is you have one elite unit and then a bunch of pretty average or substandard units. You're in a position like Calgary is right now, which is you really can't get out of your own way. You win a game, you lose a game. You win a game, you lose a game. This is, this is kind of the year two, by the way, of this concern in Calgary here. They, they have not... I think maybe the biggest question for Calgary, because we're talking about that, and the biggest anyway, that second pairing, um, and they've mixed and matched a little bit, but predominantly the players are talking about T.J. Brody and Travis Hammock. They have not been nearly as effective as they probably should be the talent that they have. Um, and they are, they are paid. Calgary allocates an awful lot of money in cap space to their blue line to make sure that they are consistently getting the right side of the shots and the goals. And unfortunately, only one pairing is doing that. So we talked about what Edmonton has to look at this summer. If I'm Calgary, regardless of how I make the playoffs or not, I'm really trying to figure out why my team, with a really quality second pairing when they've been together, it just does not get the type of results you would expect from guys making collectively, what, nine-ish million? Yeah, and although they're only one point out of a wild-card spot, they do have uh, L.A. and Colorado have two games in hand, so that puts him even more behind the eight ball. In conversation with Travis Yost from tsn.ca on the dominoes.ca delivery line, Travis, let's look back on the trade deadline here. So on Feb 25, Leafs acquired Thomas Plekanec from Montreal. Since that trade, Toronto has lost all four games they've played. 
I wonder how long it'll take before the Canadians versus Leafs conspiracy theorists will come out. Obviously, we can't blame it all on Placanich, but is there any sort of correlation you see with Placanich coming in, or is that just hey, it's it's they're they're just in a cold streak? Yeah, I, I really struggle to connect the dots. Although someone has, <laughs> someone has pointed out before. conspiracy the reason they're losing games, but I I don't know. Like any time you are a player, it takes a little bit of time to fit in, and I think I think although. They have they had a niche carved out for him as that checking line center because they can really one of the things that we know is that they really struggle defensively on their blue line. But I, I think one of the reasons why they targeted Pukanis is they wanted to assemble a very quality checking line trio of forwards to kind of offset some of their defensive concerns. So honestly, I think at the end of the day they're going to be a better team with it. I, I would expect that. Um, Pukanis over the years has consistently had a positive impact on shots against the goals against. So I would expect that to continue in Toronto. The, the real question for, for Toronto, again, and not, not to beat this drum for the 80th time, but it, it, it is so important here. What, what does the first-round playoff matchup look like? And, and, that's, and this is the reality of playing in a division where you, you could make the case. Again, I'm not necessarily sure I'm there, but you could make the case the two best teams in the league are in Toronto's division. And I know we could talk about Nashville and Vegas and – um, you know, maybe one of the two teams around the league, but Tampa Bay and Boston have really been that good. And if you're Toronto, you're, you're looking at you're looking at a really a, a position where you're almost going to be guaranteed to be locked into that two-three spot. And regardless of how everything else shakes out in that division, that means you're going to be a road team against one of those two teams. And I, I got to be honest, I, I don't know who Toronto would prefer to play in that series. I think Tampa Bay is a better team than Boston marginally. But I think Boston has the defensive competency and the fact that they can throw their top line at Austin Matthews and probably have more of an impact. I, like, I think maybe Toronto could get in this run-and-gun, fun-and-gun style of a series with Tampa Bay and maybe you know still one in six or seven. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I kind of have a little bit of a harder time seeing them matching up more favorably against Boston. But that's not a hill over the die-on. But I, I do think it's it's got to be frustrating for the Leafs organization here because they really have had a great year in Unfortunately, they're going to be a pretty substantial underdog in the first round, in my opinion. Yeah, no matter who they play. And one more trade deadline question for you here. The Jets acquired Paul Statsny from the Blues. Many have questioned that from St. Louis's perspective, but with adding that in Winnipeg, sitting where they are second in the Central at 91 points as of Saturday, is anything telling you that Winnipeg will not have a successful playoff run? Uh, I, I, I think they will. Uh, and, and let me explain why. They, there's there's a couple of teams that they don't want to see, like most teams in that West. They don't want to see Nashville, and they don't want to see Vegas. And not that, not that they could beat both, but those are clearly the two best teams in the West. It's a, it's a guarantee at this point that Winnipeg will face neither of those teams in the first round. So already they're, they're sliding into a, in my opinion, favorable first-round matchup where they should advance. And, yeah, they're, they, there's a high degree of likelihood that they might play at Nashville in the second round. Uh, but, again, they, this is pertinent back to our discussion. How do you determine playoff success? If you lose yeah. Nashville in the second round, is that a successful year? I don't know, man. Like again, we talk about there's probably two or three teams that you can make an argument of the best team in the league. Nashville is one of them. They're 97 points already this year, um, and and they are as deep talented as any team in the league. If Winnipeg lost to them, there'd be no shame in that. But uh, I, you know, I, I do think Winnipeg is really well built. That to, to really, what would be disappointing is if they were eliminated in the first round. There's really no reason that any of those three potential three seeds in the Central should beat them. Um, you know what? I will say, I will end this note, though. St. Louis, 
made an interesting decision at the trade deadline, basically saying, oh, you know what, we're a point or two out, but it's not going to work. We're going we're gonna to just randomly sell. And while people, I think, saw the random piece and like, hey, does St. Louis really have a plan? I actually thought, you know, it's, it's hard to judge in a vacuum, but I think you've got to give St. Louis a little bit of credit, too. A lot of teams would hold on and just try that, you know, seventh, eighth spot and then get bounced in the first round. If the Blues are truly committed to, hey, look, we think we've got a good core, but this this isn't our year, and we've, we've got to reset, and we think we get real assets for a guy like Paul Stack, who is not a part of our long-term plan, I, I give him a little bit of credit. Now, you, you can you can say they should chase that playoff spot. I wouldn't argue that much, but I, I do think we need it, – it, it's a break in the group sink of, like, hey, if we're, in, if we're in a race, we have to buy. That's, that's yeah. not always the case. We've seen that with St. Louis and the Rangers now. And, Travis, I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, talk just very briefly. NFL, my Browns, dealing with your bills. I get Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you, you were tweeting out, hey, that he doesn't get the respect he deserves in Buffalo. I kind of agree with you. Not the, not the best stats, but what do you think of Tyrod getting shipped out of Buffalo for uh, a third-round pick? The bills needed to move on, and I yeah. think they really did get good value in that trade. Like, Me too. They're, they're talking about a low, a 65th overall pick that's you know borderline second at that point. Um, that's real value for a guy who is not a great passer or a great quarterback, for that matter. The point I've always been frustrated by is both fans are always, it's the same way with you're always You're always curious about what's in the mystery box. And you always yeah. think you can get something better. And I think Browns fans know this better than anyone, but Bill fans should be number two. That's not always the case. And Todd Taylor said, last year was not good. He did not have a lot of weapons around him. But the two years there, they, they all had to count the team completely let down because not because they're offense. So that, that's the part I really struggle with. I think Taylor has been really good. Yeah, I, I love mixing in some TSN 4 downs with TSN Hockey Analytics. Good stuff, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, take care, Andy. So yeah, Travis Yost, some NHL and NFL Hot Browns Bills talk here on TSN Hockey Analytics. We'll take the break, get into some more Maple Leafs. James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, coming up next on TSN Hockey Analytics. <laughs> Bozak swinging it back to the blue line on the far side. Rishad deflects it, a goalie score! Ben Reemsdyke in his office, and JVR has tied the game! Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics and TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Let's head on over to the Domino's.ca delivery line. Large four-topping pizza for just $11.99. People, go get you some today. Just $11.99. Visit Domino's.ca. James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto. James, great to have you back on the show, bud. How are you? I'm good, Andy. How are you? I am well. Now, let's begin with Ian Tullock's special to The Athletic. And in this piece, he broke down the 2017-18 season for the Maple Leafs into three separate sections. The latest one is titled The New Leafs, and it started about January. So they began January, six losses in nine games, currently on a four-game skid. In the middle of those two tough stretches was one of the greater Leaf runs of recent memory. So when looking at The New Leafs, is this version the one that you'd submit to the playoffs? Like, is this the is this the type of Leaf team as they've been since January that you feel is truly representative of them? Yeah, I mean, the one change they need to make in time for the playoffs is getting Austin Matthews healthy and yeah. back in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, that makes a huge difference sure. when you know you've got Nealander at center and you've got a but. The thing that I like about the way the roster has been since about mid January is, you know, Matt Martin out. 
uh, Kasperi Kapanen in and sometimes playing up the lineup. Uh, often uh, Leo Komarov, tonight he's going to be on Kadri's line, but often it's been Mitch Marner there. And we've seen the magic that Marner and Kadri have put together. And it's been a much more skilled lineup that the Leafs have been icing, uh, save for the fact that Austin Matthews is hurt over the last you know, month and a half, and I think that that's absolutely what they should do in the playoffs, you know, get away from, from the, the safe hockey that they were playing earlier this season and, uh, you know, showcase their skill and showcase their offensive ability and, and try and outscore other teams. And, you know, it will be uh, a fascinating game tonight against the Penguins. So do you think, though, James, like coming down the stretch, and it's a young team, so you'd expect the effort to be there maybe more consistently. Is there any complacency in the Leafs' locker room. 12-point lead on the Florida Panthers. They've got that third spot locked up in the Atlantic, and there's not really anywhere they can go. Bruins with three games in hand. like They're they're locked into third. So do you see any complacency? I've asked the players that, and they say no. Um, you're right, though. There's not a ton for them to play for. I mean, no. It's extremely unlikely that they move up and get home ice advantage in the first round. It's extremely unlikely that they fall down into a wild-card spot. The last I looked at this last night, they were at something like a 94% chance of getting that third spot in the Atlantic. So I don't know if complacency is the right word, but you just wonder. They're playing a lot of weaker teams, obviously not tonight against Pittsburgh, but they've got a lot more games against Buffalo and you know, team uh, uh, Montreal I know is coming up a couple of times. You know, they they need to – they want to be hitting their stride yeah. when the playoffs come. They don't want to be just kind of sleepwalking through these games. And I think they've been a little bit guilty of that over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, it's um, – Mike Babcock, I, I know, was really disappointed after the outdoor game uh, in Maryland. And he's trying to motivate his team by saying, you know what, this just isn't good enough. And we'll see tonight if, if sort of the break that they've had and – uh, Mike Babcock really being on them, if if that's going to pay off or not. Yeah, I've had a long time to think about it, off since Tuesday. In conversation with James Myrtle from The Athletic Toronto on Twitter, at Myrtle and James, we had your terrific colleague from The Athletic, Jonas Siegel, on the show last weekend, and he presented several options for the Leafs when they look at what to do with William Nylander's next contract. How do you foresee the Leafs brass handling the financial future of Nylander, and how much of that is going to be reflected in what Mitch Marner's deal is going to be? Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting that Nylander's deal comes up a year before Marner's, and, you know, I would say that they probably at this point deserve similar contracts, but Marner's going to sign his contract when the cap is going to be higher than it will be for Nylander, so... You know, potentially, and Marner's going to have an, potentially another year to play and show what he can do. So, um, I lean towards going long term with all three of of Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. I think that that's the smart play. If you can get them on a seven or an eight year deal, that's going to take William Nylander until he's almost thirty years old. You're going to get all of his prime years, and potentially you're going to get them for a bargain. I mean, it's going to depend on what what number that the agent and Nylander are asking for. But I think if you can get him in the six and a half, seven million dollar range, you can sign that long term. I don't have a problem with that at all. The alternative is you do a bridge deal. But you know we've seen with you know what Montreal did with PK Subban. We've seen it with Tampa now with Nikita Kucherov. If you go the bridge deal and the player puts up some outstanding seasons uh, on those bridge deal years, you're in big trouble when the bridge deal runs out. So you know Kucherov was was looking for. You know, something in the seven million dollar range, and now all of a sudden, in his next year, he's going to be looking for ten, eleven million dollars, mm-hmm. and he's potentially a Hart Trophy candidate this year. So, I don't know that necessarily Nylander would hit 
that much of a home run, but I do think his production is only going to go up from here, so you might as well lock him up if you can. In conversation with James Myrtle of The Athletic Toronto on the dominoes.ca delivery line. All right, a couple other interesting pieces from you on The Athletic this week. First, you compared the rebuilds of the Sabres and the Leafs. So the two timelines for the team started right around the same time, Buffalo a year uh, earlier with the uh, in the ICO draft. But, James, what do you identify as the key difference that has allowed Toronto to really just fly past the Sabres? And, and with Buffalo, unfortunately for them, they just keep sputtering. Yeah, I, I mean, the Buffalo's, yeah, they're still in the basement, and Toronto's, you know, one of the top six or seven teams in the league. And it's funny, you know, when Babcock made the decision to come to Toronto instead of Buffalo, Sabres fans were livid because they thought that, you know, Buffalo had Eichel and that they were closer to coming out the other side of their rebuild, and it just didn't work out that way. And I'm sure Mike Babcock, you know, looks at what happened in Buffalo and thanks him that he made the right decision every day that he does look at the standings because, you know, what happened was the Leafs were really, really fortunate in that they had actually been bad for a long time before they actually entered the Shannon plan rebuild. They had been picking high going all the way back to Luke Shen in 2008, fifth overall. They flipped Luke Shen for the, the second overall pick in 07, JVR. Uh, they draft Kadri, uh, seventh overall. They draft Morgan Riley, fifth overall. They draft Mitch Marner, fourth overall. They had a lot of relatively high picks that they had made. Nylander, eighth overall. And they had some talent there. So even though they did bottom out, even though they were in a quote-unquote rebuild, they had some pretty good pieces there. You can add Jake Gardner in there as well. Um, and Buffalo, what happened is that they went into that rebuild so strongly they tore out everything they didn't have enough talent in place when they tried to come back up the other side with the young players so they're still trying to rebuild from when they had those 52 and 54 point teams where they were just so bad and you know maybe it's a cautionary tale that if you go that hard into a tank or or a rebuild it can be awfully difficult to come out the other side all right, James, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, everybody can check you out at The Athletic Toronto. For those who, who don't know, just uh, plug it quick where they can subscribe. Yeah, check out the app, The Athletic, uh, in the App Store or theathletic.com. Awesome, buddy. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, James. All right, James Myrtle, editor-in-chief, The Athletic Toronto, on Twitter, at Myrtle. Need some fantasy hockey tips? Got you covered. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. Up next with some NHL fantasy talk right here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Shooter gets it ahead, cutting in, breaking it. Eric Stahl shoots, he scores! Stahl cuts down the right wing, cuts in front of the net. Got the goaltender, Darling, to bite. He went down, and Stahl put it up and into the net. Stahl gets his second goal of the night, his 36th of the season. It's now 5-0 wild. Back we are rolling along on TSN Hockey Analytics. TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. If you miss any of the show or want to go back and listen to past episodes or interviews, you can do that on iTunes, SoundCloud, on the TSN1050.ca show page as well under the show's section. Well, let's get our fantasy hockey fix now. We head to the dominoes.ca delivery line. Large four top and pizza for just $11.99. Folks, why not grab some pop too? A side dish? How about pasta, boneless chicken? They're delicious. Don't forget the marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Got to try it. Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. James, how are you, bud? 
Well, Andy, I don't know who's having a better weekend right now. You with all the Browns yeah. trades or Tiger Woods, but it's probably pretty close. It's probably close. I'm going to give the edge to me since I only have okay. uh, one win in, in in two years. So I'll, I'll give. That's fine. I'll give that one to you. <laughs> I'll give that one to you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know what? Let's get to some fantasy hockey talk as people push towards the playoffs in their league or play on DraftKings. So let's start with stock up, stock down. All right, James, give me your two stock-up fantasy players for the weekend. First stock-up fantasy player for the weekend, head up to Boston right now, Riley Nash, uh, centering the first line up there in place of Patrice Bergeron between David Pasternak and Brad Marchand. One goal against the Flyers on Thursday, points in back-to-back games and in four of his past five games overall. Uh, three multi-point games in that span, so uh, three goals and four assists. Um, Bergeron is expected back soon, but I still like Nash going forward. That is a very, very deep team up in Boston, and I think that even after Bergeron comes back and reclaims his spot on their first line, Nash is still going to be in their top six, or I should say top nine. Their top six is pretty set right now, but he should still see really solid playing time on their third pairing, probably with uh, David Backus and I think it's David, uh, Danton Heinen up there right now. So uh, that would be a very good pairing. So I, I like Nash going forward, and especially short-term right now until Bergeron comes back. He has been lighting it up for the Bruins um, on their first line. And of course, we know how good of a team they are at the moment. And then my second stock up for the weekend, Nolan Patrick, is a 1 o'clock game this afternoon. Uh, he has assists in each of his past two games, four points and uh, one goal, three assists, and six shots on goal in his past four games overall, uh, centering their second line with Jacob Warcek, who is a top 20 overall fantasy player this season, and Oscar Lindblom and Patrick has points in eight of his past 11 games, uh, nine points overall in that span. So uh, I like where he is right now, and again, getting good usage, in their top six on their second line and seeing plenty of power play usage as well on their second power play unit. So uh, Nash and Patrick, two centers right now that I like this weekend. Okay, so those are stock up. Two players with that stock are down who we should avoid for fantasy. Yeah, and maybe we should start recalling this part of the section, uh, players who are slumping and, and who are going to break out of that slump because I say they're slumping. You are the magic uh, elixir, James. <laughs> I must be. I must be. My, my negativity. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, heading right back to, to the Flyers right now, though, Shane Gossespierre, uh pointless in six straight games, 94% owned in Yahoo Leagues, $5,700 this afternoon uh, in DraftKings, which is the sixth highest uh Salary cap hit for defensemen in DraftKings. Uh, skating on their first pair with Ivan Provorov and running the point on their first power play unit. But again, pointless in six consecutive games. Uh, they do have a, a favorable matchup this afternoon, but I, I just I don't like him enough to pay up that price point right now uh, with, with where he is at the moment. And I, I know that there are better defensemen around him who are producing more and defensemen who are uh, less than him, you know, and Alex Pietrangelo, Bufflin, Ristolainen, Ekman Larson, uh, even his uh, defensive mate there, Provorov, at $4,800. I-, I like better than I do Gossespierre until I see him put uh, two or three games together. And then 
uh, former flyer setter, uh, Braden Shen, is my second stock down player of the weekend right now. He's seen a drop off as the season has progressed. We saw, saw where he was in the first two or three months of the season, but he is pointless in each of his last two games and only has two points in his past seven games. Uh, he is centering their second line for the Blues between Jaden Schwartz and Dmitry Yaskin, but um, I just haven't seen enough from Braden Shen right now compared to where we saw him earlier in the season to me have a lot of confidence putting him in my lineup right now. All right, so that was stock up, stock down in conversation with James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com on the dominoes.ca delivery line. Talking fantasy hockey, getting you ready for this weekend and the upcoming week. So, James, a couple weeks back, we started on our Canadian swing out west, and we'll pick a, a fantasy player to watch for on each Canadian team. So we find ourselves in Winnipeg for this week. So who's a Jets player for the slew of Saturday and Sunday games that you think we should be looking for on DraftKings? Yeah, and, you know, the Jets are an incredibly deep team right now, and, and they got even deeper with this player being acquired at the trade deadline, and that's Paul Stastny. Mm. Um, when you factor in that Mark Scheifele was hurt earlier this week, another upper body injury for him, so he's going to miss some more time right now. And with a playoff spot pretty much wrapped up for them, I could see them waiting on him to get back and get him fully healthy. So a player like Paul Stastny going forward is going to have – even more opportunity right now <coughs> in that lineup. He's centering a line between Patrick Laine and Nikolai Ehlers right now, and Laine has just been an absolute beast in his last 10 games, 14 goals and six assists. Um, Stastny has points in four of his first five games with the Jets, two goals and four assists. He has a three-game point streak right now, so I, I think that playing with a player like Line, who is as hot as he is right now, and Ehlers, who is also playing incredibly well lately. Uh, the sky's the limit for what Stastny is going to be able uh, to produce. And then another jet, really quickly, is Ben Sherratt, hmm. uh, defenseman, only $2,900, so an incredibly great value defenseman. Uh, Five-game point streak, one goal, four assists, uh, and getting great category coverage, six shots on goal and seven block shots in that span. So if you're looking for a value defenseman in the next half hour before that contest locks, Ben Sherrod against the Flyers. I really like that matchup. All right, James, last one for you here. Now on DraftKings.com, we've gone back and forth between the traditional salary cap or the Pick'em game. So this week, you want to touch on the NHL Pick'em. It's the 4K Sniper game, and this is different, where you have six tiers, and you pick out of each section the best player. Not salary, but which player is going to have the best game out of that group. So that's at DraftKings.com under the, the, uh, in the lobby under the NHL section, the 4K Sniper. So let's go through a, uh, one or two groups real quick here. We got Malkin, McDavid, Hall, or Barkov. That's a stacked first group. So who do you think is going to have the best, I guess, game this, uh, this weekend? Yeah, it's a really stacked group. My safest pick there would be McDavid against Minnesota, but I really like Barkov right now. Um, when you look at it, he had two assists and three shots on goal in their 5 nothing win against the Canadians on Thursday. It extended his point streak to eight games. It was his third consecutive multi-point game, and he has 14 points, uh, five goals and nine assists, and 17, uh, 27 shots on goal on his scoring streak. Very, very favorable matchup against the Rangers at home, where he has 37 points in 31 home games this year. So I love Barkov there. 
Well, yeah, and the Rangers are ranked 31st, so last against centers in the NHL right now. So that's that's a great value. In Tier 2, Kessel, Trocek, Stahl, Crosby, and Arvidsson. Yeah, this one uh, this one might hit you a little hard there, but I do like Kessel against oh. uh, against the Leafs. Um, you know, when, when you look at it, four-game point streak, two goals and, and five assists in that span, um, two power play points, and ten shots on goal. I know it's a very, very tricky matchup. Uh, against the the Leafs, and you know, looking at the opponent points per uh, opponent rank, I should say, um, you know, the the Leafs are top six in fewest points allowed to wingers in DraftKings this season. But I, I do like Kessel. Um, but I, I would say, if you were weary about that, I would say Eric Stahl against Edmonton right now, who has just been. Absolutely fantastic with 16 points in his last 10 games. So Kessel or Stahl, if you just can't stomach it, like myself, to put Phil Kessel in the lineup. But <laughs> th- th- that's all part of it, though, James, right? you gotta, you got to check the emotions at the door when we're talking fantasy hockey. So who's going to give you the best chance? Absolutely you do. You know, it doesn't matter who, who they are. If, if they can help you win some money or, or win a league championship, you you got to roll with it. You know, I know plenty of my friends who are Flyers fans who will put their – it will put Sidney Crosby in their lineup if it means that they're going to win a title. So, That's right. You know, sometimes you just got to do it. I'm going to go with Stahl. I just can't do Kessel. That that might that's cost fine. me, but we'll that's, see. That's not a bad. It's not a bad. Uh, it's not a bad <laughs> pick right there. I don't think you can go wrong really with either one of them. All right, James. So people can uh, ask you for hey for any DraftKings advice or NHL fantasy tips in general on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey and check out that Pick'em game on DraftKings.com. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, dude. I'll talk to you later. All right. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. We'll take the break. Wrap up the show with Scott Cullen from TSN.ca with Heroes and Zeros. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Side of the net, Barkov. Far circle, Dadnoff. To the line, Yandel. Tees it up across. Shot, they score! Evgeny Dadnoff on the one-timer. What a pass across from Yandel. And the Panthers take a 4 nothing lead. Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network. If you miss any of the show, want to go back, listen to interviews from this week or past weeks, go to iTunes. You can subscribe and rate us there for free. Go to tsn1050.ca under the show page section. And, of course, we tweet out all the links at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Let's bring in our good buddy from tsn.ca, Scott Collins. Scotty, how are you? Awesome. How you doing, Andy? I am doing well. And, of course, we're chatting with you on the Domino's.ca delivery line. Folks, you're busy tonight. You'll want some good food, large four-topping pizza for just $11.99. Make a meal of it. Grab some pop, side dish. How about pasta, the boneless chicken? Don't forget the marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Visit Domino's.ca today. That's Domino's.ca. Okay, Scotty, let's hit it with... It's time for the best and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey Analytics Heroes and Zeros with Scott Cohen and Andy McNamara. All right, Ryan Ellis begins our heroes list this week. That's right. It's the uh, the embarrassment of riches that the Nashville Predators have on their blue line. Um, that you can, we can dig down and grab Ryan Ellis in the past ten games, all of which are. Uh, our Nashville wins. He has three goals, nine assists, 32 shots on goal, playing almost 24 minutes per game. In that time, the Predators are getting 59.8% of the shots. Um, truly dominant performance and, and more than makes up for the, the absence of Roman Yossi over the last half of those uh, 10 games. That, uh, as I say, the, the Predators have an embarrassment of riches so that when Roman Yossi gets injured for a little bit, uh, Ryan Ellis just steps up and plays like a, a Norris Trophy candidate. And we heard off the top 
your second hero, Evgeny Dadanov. Yes, uh, back in the NHL after uh, after years in the KHL, and he's really fit in nicely on the, on Florida's first line, uh, playing alongside Alexander Barkov for most of the season. Uh, in the past 13 games, he has 10 goals, 10 assists. Uh, getting 53% Corsi, uh, almost 59% of the scoring chances, uh, and outscoring the opposition 19-9 to nine, uh, during five-on-five play. Uh, he, he's up to 51 points in 57 games this season. That's uh, uh, a, a huge impact for a guy who I, I think – you know the fact that he was coming back from the KHL he had some modest expectations, uh, but he's certainly exceeded them. Okay, so those are the heroes. That I, I, you know what, Scotty, we, we don't like bashing people. It, it seems more fun the zeros. Who's starting off for you? Well, we're going Vladimir Sabatka, uh, another guy coming back from the KHL, and and he's not a bad third line player for St. Louis, but in, in some ways, uh, as a rising tide will lift all ships, uh, say with Ryan Ellis in Nashville, uh, the sinking tide will sink all ships, and Vladimir Sabatka might be. Uh, sort of subject to that in St. Louis, you know that they're uh, they're crashing hard these days. And Sabatka has no points in his past 15 games, uh, under 45% Corsi, under 41% of the scoring chances, outscored eight to one um, during five-on-five play in that time. And uh, in uh, with Sabatka coming back from the KHL, I think you know there are modest expectations that okay, he can be a solid third-line player, and he still may be. Uh, but this is not a great finish to his uh, first season back in the league. No, no, and we finish with a Vancouver Canuck defender. Yes, Eric Goodbranson. Um, you know, we, we can probably jump to Eric Goodbranson uh, a few times during the year, <laughs> but, you know, the fact that the, the Canucks decided they, they were going to sign him to a new contract, um, you know, three years and $12 million, uh, here, here's what you're getting. Over the past 18 games uh, that he's played, Goodbranson has two points, which is fine. We don't expect a whole lot of offense from him. Uh, 44% Corsi, under 40% of the scoring chances, uh, outscored thirteen to eight. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what the uh, the value is in Eric Branson other than he's big, um, and I guess we, we will find out whether the Canucks were right to uh, um, to invest their money in him for the next three years. And uh, Scotty, uh, I have some some breaking news: the Cleveland Browns have traded Danny Shelton. <laughs> Yeah, I noticed. Uh, yes. <laughs> Your boys are—they're—they're they're keeping busy. They're keeping busy. We had—I I talked with Bills uh, with getting Tyrod Taylor from with Travis Yost earlier, so they're sprinkling themselves everywhere. Okay, so that was heroes and zeros in conversation with Scott Collin from TSN.ca on the Domino's.ca delivery line. Of course, follow him on Twitter at TSN Scott Collin. Scotty, my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite articles you do is the snapshot each week with the rankings. We have Nashville remaining in top spot as well as the Tampa Bay Lightning staying pat at two. Bruins at three. The movement first comes with the Winnipeg Jets last week five, now up to four. And this is a team, if they keep going the way they are, uh, they could be making some real noise in the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, look, they they move up even with uh, an injury to Mark Scheifele. Yeah, and and Jacob Truba is still out. Like you know, the fact that they're at four without those guys kind of gives you um, an idea of how good the Jets just may be. You know, at full strength. But uh, right now, it's kind of ridiculous. Patrick Line is on a on a scoring tear. He has 14 goals in the past 10 games. Uh, he's within one of Alexander Ovechkin for the league lead. And uh, you know, we've. Um, We've talked about line A kind of over the, these past two seasons, and, and we wondered, uh, I guess, early on about whether or not you know he'd be able to maintain a shooting percentage up at 17 and 18 uh, percent. And so far, the answer is yes, yes, he can, and uh, and the the results are fairly astonishing. And and you know that's that's just kind of one piece of why why the Jets are climbing right now. 
And when we look at numbers that we didn't think was were sustainable all season, the Vegas Gold Knights starting to come a bit back down to earth. And, and still, hey, let's not dump on them. The expansion team, phenomenal. But you put in the article, they're down to five from four. Marc-Andre Fleury, his save percentage, 915. You take that on its own, you're like, that that's good. But he was at 933, and that's one of those stat lines that when it dips, not necessarily a surprise that they're 5-4-1 in their last 10. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, is that if Marc-Andre Fleury gives you a 9.15 save percentage in his past nine starts like he has, you kind of shrug your shoulders and go, okay. You know, it's it's about a- It's about average. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the reasons that Vegas had had, had such an uh, outstanding record this season was that Fleury was, you know, running much hotter than that. Uh, you know, it was 9.33 before that, and, and, and I want to say for his first 15 or 18 starts or something, it was about 9.42. Like, he, he was off to a tremendous start, and and to a level that you just knew wasn't going to continue. And so, um, look, Vegas, you know, they, they still tend to outshoot their opponents. And um, as long as they get average to better goaltending, um, they, are, they have a chance to be dangerous. But um, I think the the idea that they were going to maintain that their early record uh, all the way through was putting a whole lot of pressure on the goaltending, which had been had been outstanding for them. And finally, Sky, let's wrap up with the Maple Leafs here. Down from... Eight to nine, they've lost four straight without Austin Matthews. That's something you have to always take into account. Um, and a bit of a slump from Freddie Anderson, who has been lights out for the majority of, of this season. They have a chance to break out of that tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins, but that's going to be a tall order. Yeah, it is. And look, Freddie Anderson, at the three-quarter point of the season when I, when I kind of did some awards, I, I had him just sort of on the edge of the, the Vesna Trophy race. Like, he's been really, really good this year. You know, got off to a bit of a slow start and was great for, you know, three or four months. Uh, and basically, you know, over the last week or two, um, he slumped a bit. And, um, you know, you, you can't really hold that against him because he played so well for so long. Uh, but it's also part of the reason why uh, the Leafs aren't overcoming Austin Matthews' absence. It's, um, you know, when you combine uh, losing your top-line center and, you know, your goaltender, his performance dips a little bit, well, you know, no surprise that they're winless in four. Um, And now, you know, you go up against Pittsburgh tonight, and normally you would say, okay, the real advantage that the Leafs have is in goaltending because, Penguins are missing Matt Murray. They've got uh, Tristan Jari and um, to Casey Smith as their goaltenders, two rookies who are really unproven. Like Anderson should give you a real leg up in that matchup, but um, you know he has to be playing well uh, in order for the Leafs to kind of take advantage of it. And I guess we'll find out tonight whether he, he is back on, the, back on his game or not. Going to be interesting. Scotty, thank you so much. Let's do it again next week. Sounds great. Thank you, Randy. All right. Scott Cullen. Get him on Twitter, at TSN Scott Collin, and check out his work Monday to Friday on tsn.ca. All right, folks, that'll do it. Again, if you miss any of the show or want to go back and check things out, you go to iTunes. You can subscribe and rate us there, the tsn1050.ca show page, and we tweet out all the links on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81. So for producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050.